Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. You are listening to the flagship audio production of Light Reading, and we cover the entire world of communications. This is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading, and this episode was recorded on March 13th. My guest today is Paul Kapuska, the editor of the Mobile Sports Report, an independent editorial endeavor that is now in its ninth year of operation. And it has become the de facto place to go find out what's changing in the world of uh, stadium, arena, and public venue connectivity. Uh, Paul and I discuss the effect of COVID-19 on the companies that he covers, how that differs from the companies that Light Reading covers, and how it lines up uh, similarly. And uh, we get into how 4G DAS and other technologies are still having their heyday, even if they're not top of mind uh, and, and making headlines at the moment. Um, we also talk about Wi-Fi 6 and what it means to the fan in the stands and everyone else who cares about the wide world of sports. You will get all of that and much, much more with Paul Kapuska right after the break. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast, Paul Kapuska, the editor of the Mobile Sports Report. Hello, Paul. Hello, Phil. How are you, buddy? I'm well. No coughing, no fever, and well stocked, <laughs> and well stocked on toilet paper. <laughs> that is that is all good to hear. I didn't need to know, but that is very good to hear. You know, COVID nineteen is obviously forcing the closure of uh, uh, the postponement of sp- sports. In general, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I was going to start naming the sports. And then I was like, well, they're all kind of canceled, aren't they? They are all kind of canceled. It, it was inevitable. Uh, and, and, you know, it's it's really, you know, ideal in sports. I know you like sports. Everybody likes sports. But, like, if we ever needed that wake-up call to just remind us that sports is just a distraction at best. I mean, it is a huge business. It is part of people's livelihoods. And, you know, a lot of people are actually going to suffer Business-wise, but you know, at the end of the day, you just can't justify you know when you're trying to flatten the curve, as they say, for the uh, COVID you know spread and the spread, the possible yeah. spread of the disease. It's just it, it just became inevitable. I mean, the dominoes just really started falling after the Utah Jazz player Rudy Gobert uh, tested positive for the coronavirus, and you, then you just realize you can't. You know, the, you just can't bring people together in a public setting for, you know, the reason of sport. So it, it was a wild, crazy week. Unprecedented is really the way I describe it. But, you know, with with any luck and with, you know, the, the combined work of everybody, we can limit the spread of this thing and come out the other end healthy and happy. Let's get to the thing, uh, the the, the uh part of the world that you cover. So, you you know, in the mobile sports report, you are concerned with uh, 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 all manners of uh, connected life in and outside of public venues, uh, arenas, stadiums, and, uh, and public places. Um, and also just generally how technology is being consumed and consumed differently in those areas. Um, does, is that about right? <laughs> That's good. I, what I'd like to say is like, you know, all parts of how technology touches the fan experience, if you will. And okay, you know, yeah. Right, and right now, there's <laughs> absolutely zero fan experience, so it's it's kind of well. That's what's interesting is it is it is maybe 
extreme mobile sports reporting um, because now, now even though there's no sports happening, uh, fans are going to be continually, uh, you know, talking about what could happen and talking about what did happen and maybe, you know, maybe even connecting to their favorite players on Twitter or whatever. Um, I was going to ask like what, what impact you see on the tech and connectivity businesses that do support these public venues, these stadiums, uh, arenas and so on, because, um, the reason I'm curious about that is because in the telecom space, we're kind of in a, in a weird parallel world where, um, the fact that everyone's being sent home is actually pretty good for business. If I may be so crass, um, because they're, they're using up that connectivity. They're, they're, uh, they're maxing out their bandwidth at home. They're blowing away their data caps and so on and so forth. But in, in your side of the, uh, telecom connectivity world, it's a different, different situation. They're preparing, they're setting the table for a party that ain't going to happen. Yeah, I, I will also say it, it is sort of a, a bit of a blessing in disguise. Um, you know, there's there's a, a number of stadiums, new stadiums that are slated to open. And uh, frankly, you know, I, I can tell you that for several of them, the technology deployments are a little bit behind schedule. So this actually buys those venues some time. You know, they there was a, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of that were going to have, you know, sort of like opening ceremony events fairly quickly here. And now, you know, it gives them time basically to finish the buildings and finish putting in the network. So in some way, yeah, it's it's also a bit of a blessing for those who install network technologies. I mean, there's a lot of stadiums who would love to do upgrades. They would love to go out and fix equipment that's in the stands. But when you have an arena like you know, a staple center that has 300 events a year, you just don't get off nights. So my guess is that a lot, a lot of these teams and a lot of the IT departments will, you know, try to take advantage of this and say, look, we've got downtime. Let's, you know, let's go in there and repave the roads, if you will. Uh, That's a, that's a, that's an interesting uh, knock on effect, but uh, that's, that's a pretty good one though. Cause it's like, yeah, uh, some of these, uh, um, uh, persistent problems that can happen in public venues. Like, I mean, Staples Center is a great example. That place is just never not on. It's always lit up. No off nights, basically. Yeah, and when you have a when you have a scenario like that, finding the time to do just even general maintenance has got to be the most challenging thing. Yeah, I, I would say probably one of the biggest challenges, if there you know, is one, it's going to face same that faces everybody is just supply chains and delivery channels, right? I mean, if you were looking yeah. to get you know something like fourteen hundred Wi-Fi APs and they haven't been delivered yet and they're not on site yet, well, you know, some some other projects may be delayed, you know, just as a general, you know, you've got to figure that there's there's going to be delays and in shipping schedules and whatnot as the world economy basically grinds down to a very slow pace. Um, okay. Well, let's, uh, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Paul Kapuska on the light reading podcast.
Welcome back to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey at Light Reading, and joining me today is Paul Kapuska, the editor-in-chief of the Mobile Sports Report. Hey there, Paul. Hey there, Phil. (laughs) Thanks for uh, being on. Uh, Two segments now. We are uh, uh, taking on the world of uh, big venues and connectivity and uh which is your uh uh you know your home turf as it were yes um first segment we talked about covid-19 of course and what's uh you know what how it's upending uh life and uh what uh, what it's doing to the you know how how things are sort of changing on the uh a big venue and arena front um but before all of this sort of happened and seasons were canceled and um you know seasons were postponed and that sort of thing um, I wanted to know kind of what some of the big trends in, in big venue connectivity were, um, you know, we're more and more people are getting faster and faster devices and they're taking them everywhere. And more and more venues were finding ways to, uh, provide that wall to wall fan experience for lack of a better word. So sort of what were some of the things that were, um, kind of piquing your interest just before, uh, everything got shut down there, there were a couple you know um i guess most recently you know as it does almost every year the super bowl set a new record for you know the total amount of wi-fi consumed we're up to 26 plus terabytes of, of data used at the super bowl but really what was oh. more interesting about this year's was um at miami and hard rock stadium that was the smallest super bowl crowd since Super Bowl one, I mean, they basically, which wasn't wow. a sellout, you know, this, there were only 62,000 people in the stadium, you know, Hard Rock Stadium is not a big stadium. And before this year, the NFL got rid of its rule that said Super Bowls, you know, for years, they had rules that said Super Bowls had to be 70,000 plus, or you couldn't host it. So right. even, even with 8,000 fewer people in the stands than the year before, you know, the Wi-Fi jumped another, <clears throat> you know, another uh, to another record. And what was really crazy was the amount of data used per person went from just under 500 to something like 546 megabytes per, per connected user. So what, what, what that tells me is people, and I think you said it, people have more powerful devices, more people are doing video type of things. So people are just... The, the, really, the, the demand for more wireless data in venues is taking another big jump up as people find more things to do. I, I mean, on the good news side, the biggest venues, which have you know been for years the hardest ones to cover, um, really made an effort this past year. And, you know, the technology and the design, I think, have all matured. And you saw a place like Ohio State, you know, Ohio Stadium, which is... 104,000 people. It's a big open bowl without a lot of overhang. So, you know, you, you what they did was they used the um, AmpThink method of putting Wi-Fi APs into handrails and, and put something like 600 handrail <laughs> antenna deployments throughout the stadium. And throughout the year, huh. they, they just had huge, num- huge numbers of connectivity. And, and I, I guess the other trend, other than just a, a lot of data is, one of the ways they got there, and the Super Bowl did the same thing, is you had um, Verizon coming into the stadium and saying, we want to put in an auto-connect uh, technology that takes all our customers 
if they have their Wi-Fi radios on, it automatically switches them over to the Wi-Fi network for offload. And, and I think that was behind a lot of the big Wi-Fi totals at Ohio State this year. For a while, they had the top mark. They actually beat the past Super Bowls for the top Wi-Fi mark. They did 25 terabytes in a home game against Michigan State. And a lot of them were Verizon Auto Connect. And same with the Super Bowl. So it's it, it's a pretty interesting trend that I think you're starting to see stadiums get the idea that they're not going to be religious about you know whether they're 5G or 4G or Wi-Fi, but find a way to just have the users connect to whatever the best network is possible in almost yeah. an unknown fashion. In that Verizon example, there uh, walk me through what's happening happening technically. So the user walks into the stadium. Of course, when they're out in the parking lot, they're on 4G LTE. When they get into the stadium, suddenly is all of their what all of their uplink is suddenly going to be uh, via Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's it's you know if you're familiar with things like Passpoint or Hotspot 2.0, these are the kind right. of technologies I've talked about in, in a standard world. But you, you can also do this just on a you know per carrier by carrier basis, and, and really, okay. if you have your Wi-Fi radio on, and you know you have said, and a lot of times, sometimes you you do have to log in once, but once you've logged in once or you know found the SSID, and, and I've had this happen to me because they they have it at Empower um, um, Field at Mile High Stadium in uh, Denver, uh, they have the same kind of thing going on. I've been there several times, so anytime I just walk into the stadium now, I have my Wi-Fi radio on, I'm just connected to Wi-Fi. And it just okay. happens automatically. And you know, the, uh, we laugh about it, and I, I joked about it with the Ohio State guys. I said, you know, how many of those, you know, one game they had almost 70,000 people connected at one point to the Wi-Fi network. And I said, you know, how many people actually knew they were connected to the Wi-Fi network? And you know, we kind of laughed because... I, I would huh. guess that, that probably most of them never even knew. Yeah, it's a reasonable question, but that's that that's also um yeah, back to your point, that's really the the that's the ultimate fan experience is just to go in there and know that your phone works because um uh because yeah, there's a couple of things. A f- more powerful device, but I think in, inherent in that is all video that's being shot. I, I'm I'm not maybe not all video, but let's say more than fifty percent is four K now on those phones. Um, most people don't throttle down their own, uh, uh, phones camera. They just take whatever it, the default video setting is. And, and for a lot of the phones, it's 4k video, which is crazy. Um, and, and then every, every social network interaction, if you think about it five years ago, it was all, uh, Twitter and texting. And now there's an awful lot of, uh, TikTok and Snapchat. And so that, it, it, that that too is dependent on short video clips versus, uh, you know, text messages and things like that. So, yeah, and, and there's there's even live video. I mean, the the last few games yeah. I've been to, people are just they're just walking around with their phones, and they're broadcasting. Yeah. Where I mean, I don't know who's watching. It may be an audience of one, I, but it, could know, be. <laughs> yeah, the, the video, 4K video, all this, and, and it's just going to go up. So it, it's good. You know that that there's easier ways to get on Wi-Fi, and we'll talk about a little bit in a little bit too how Wi-Fi six is going to even change the game. Um, oh yeah, that, in a better way for network operators. 
Yeah. So before we get to that, I do want to sort of ask you of all the different, um, one of the unique things about covering public venues and stadiums and stuff is that you have to bring the past and the present all together at once because you, you if you're serving the public and masses and masses of, of, of people in the public, then you have to, you have to have every available type of connectivity uh, at the ready. So I was going to ask you, like, what's what's one of the most underrated technologies that you cover right now that sort of is in that in that realm of stuff? But it, it's it's pretty clear the the Mark Twain, you know, if you will, of of uh, technologies whose death has been greatly exaggerated is 4G DAS, you know, the distributed antenna system, which if uh-huh. you can you can go around a number of outlets and. You know, people are all trying to say, oh, DAS is dead. You know, nobody's going to put a DAS in. It's, you know, we're going to go small cells. We're going to go 5G. But I got to tell you, I've, right. I've, we are in the process of putting together a research report on the future of DAS. And really, the future of DAS is pretty good because even as 5G comes on, you know, even as we have cool new things like CBRS, um, you know, the expected lifespan of that 4G LTE phone and the traffic, even on a 5G phone with 4G LTE, most people are conservatively saying 10 years, but that we're still going to need to support these devices. And my guess, it may even go longer than that. Look, 4, 4G, oh, wow. 4G is pretty good, right? We, we get good speed yeah. on it. It's it's well known. It's, it's you know, well-developed in devices. And, and frankly, to your point, you know, if, if you have a, a venue of any size at all, and I'm talking, you know, your general NBA-type arena, Major League Baseball, right. you know, the carriers have to play because they have to be there. They can't have their customers saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm in MetLife Stadium and I can't get a signal. I'm, you know, I'm at my Auburn game. Why can't I, you know, call out? Because a, a lot of people still, and this is crazy in this day and age, but a lot of people still don't know how to turn on wi-fi on their phones so they just come in and you know stay on cellular and and complain you know the cellular doesn't work so yeah so 4g lte DAS is is still a thing um you know i I would say going along with it is maybe underrated or, or not as much celebrated is you know the sort of everybody's figuring out that the more fiber you can put into a venue, the better. I mean, it's, we, yeah. we know, right? We cover wireless, like it takes a lot of wires to, to make wireless work. And, and that's, and that's really true in stadiums. And, and you see with some of the newer ones, like I know the one we were at, um, we both were at this year, Dickie's Arena down in uh, yeah. Fort Worth. You know, they, they put just an overload of fiber there and it's fiber to the edge and, you know, pushing active elements out to the edge as far as you can. It's just, it's a way of future proofing that's really smart. Yeah. And you know, I, I guess it's unheralded, but you know, it was it was sort of a new thing three or four years ago. But now it's it's really become sort of a standard, you know, you just put in as much fiber as you can. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, especially on the new new build type stadiums where you have that option of being able to hide it and put it into the infrastructure. I was really impressed with Dickey's Arena because it didn't look like um it, it, you know, it's a pretty plainly, uh, kind of plain looking stadium, uh, you know, venue. There's, re- there's really not that much remarkable about it. It's, it's very, for that reason, it's, it's incredibly versatile. And also for that reason, it's incredibly impressive how good the connectivity is because it's so hidden. Like you just don't see 
the wireless access points. You don't see uh, conduit and you know other things like that anywhere. There's just no evidence that the thing is a high tech stadium until you start you know using your device and then you're yeah yeah it it, it's it a, really is going to be a, a case study going forward. People are going to go back to that and go wow that that really was the right way to do it. Where I could see a, 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 a the change too is like you know the connectivity between levels didn't flag one bit. You know you walk up and down. Uh, the levels inside of Dickie's Arena, and your connectivity was four bars all day long. Wi-Fi completely connected, no, you know, no speed uh, drops in between. So it's a, it's a, it, it's it's built for purpose. And uh, I, I'll have to say, I was there during, uh, uh, I guess it was in February during the uh, Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. So it was a. I want to say half to three quarters full arena almost every day for a solid, what, two weeks, um, three weeks. Yeah. Of, of rodeo activity. And, you know, it, the, yeah, to, to hold up that kind of sustained, you know, connected, uh, uh, crowd that's you, you, you've got to have tons and tons of fiber, um, about the 4g DAS stuff. Yeah. It is interesting because yeah, not only are the phones, going to continue to be a, a you know relevant for another decade or so but but uh, 4G phones but the the I, I just think that the this 5G small cell thing I just don't think we've got the technology nailed down yet you know I know Verizon and everybody brags about how great 5G is going to be in certain scenarios but I just don't know that it's it's quite um it's it's quite a good option in stadiums for a lot of reasons. Well, it's uh, I would say that even more so than the technology, it's just a pure matter of real estate. You know, when when you uh-huh. the the benefit of a DAS, you know, is the distributed part of it, right? It's it's one antenna, and then everybody hooks in their you know RAN gear on the back end, and you know, it's it saves you space because everybody uses the same and connection to the client when you start getting into small cells you know you, there's no such thing as a small cell DAS, right it's it's everybody it's everybody for themselves and with you know four carriers i guess we're going down to three now but even with three carriers all trying to put their own equipment into a stadium you know the the rafters and the walls can can get pretty cluttered yeah. up there's there's one baseball stadium that i won't name but um they went small cell i mean oh heck i can name them it's the atlanta braves and they went small cell instead of a daz and you know it it works well but then you walk around and you see the gear placements and it's you know there's 20 or 30 radios all in one spot all you know (laughs) vine together you know aside from aesthetics not that many people look up into the rafters like telecom geeks like us do but you know really you just you you you, at some point you run out of real estate to hang all the wires you know and then everyone's you know gonna run run around their own conduit everyone's gonna want to you know right take care of their own network as opposed to a dickies where you know Amthink came in and had some uh, unusual level of power and said basically we're gonna put in one integrated fiber core and everything active is going to run off this and it just like you said it just lends itself to orderly expansion future proofing and, and that 
you know, frankly, I, I think that is, is what's going to keep Daz alive because it, it simply is still the best way to get a multi-carrier deployment into a small space. You know, maybe not yeah. in smart cities, maybe maybe not so in, in office buildings, but yeah, definitely for venues, you know, Daz lives on. Excellent. So what is the, uh, uh, if it, if it's not, uh, if it's not small cells, what is the connectivity of the future, uh, for, for venues, for public venues? But I'm, I'm really big on Wi-Fi six and, mm-hmm. you know, um, for, I guess for a lot of the reasons I, I've always been a believer in standards and open standards and, you know, letting the market compete on implementation and, and other things and not on, you know, lockdown patent profits so right uh, the you know we haven't really seen it, it's going to take a couple of years before the devices catch up and we really see a full like like the gear is out right the wi-fi you know equipment is out so the radios are out the networks are being built and now you're just waiting for devices to take advantage of it um but when they do the the promise of it is just amazing i mean you're talking like 10x increases in just available bandwidth per client because what it does is it you know i don't want to get too deep into the weeds but it it basically from you know what i've been told you know again we'd like to see this in practice and get some stats on it but you know the ability to open up channel reuse and the ability to you know have things like four by four mimo it's just going to increase not just the amount of bandwidth each client can have but it's going to increase the amount of um, clients that each radio can support. So it's like almost ah, like somebody's okay. like, you know, get, taking you from a two-lane country road to an eight-lane highway without really having to do anything except replace the radios. And and on the mm. device and on the device end, you know, it was really surprising this fall when Apple came out with the iPhone 11 line, and they put a radio for Wi-Fi six into that into that phone line. And you, you and I know, right? We've covered iPhones for a while. Apple's not yeah. the most. Apple doesn't push the envelope usually. You know, they're usually, I mean, they were what a year behind on LTE, just because. Oh, look how long they're waiting on five G. Right, mean. right. So there's no five G yeah. in the iPhone 11, but there is Wi-Fi six. Yeah. So that to me is is sort of like a tip off that, I mean, if Apple sees that as a benefit already, um, yeah. And and at Oklahoma which was really, they put in a Wi-Fi 6 network before the football season this year, and they're 100% Wi-Fi 6. They, near the end of the season, they were already seeing 2,000 Wi-Fi 6 devices on their network per game, which, which oh, wow. is pretty wow. incredible if you think about it. Right? It's like, they, so they were like yeah, already because... 10% of their fans were, I mean, were already connecting for Wi-Fi 6. So it may happen... Um, you know, faster than we think. And then, and then there's the whole, you know, the, the idea that they're opening up the six gigahertz band to Wi-Fi six as well. You know, that's another, yeah. but I, I mean, just a whole nother uh, boatload of spectrum, which even makes it more interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on Wi-Fi six. I, I think we're going to see 5g only because the, the carriers will bring it and they'll push it. And I think it has some interesting applications, but I think, you know, the technology that I'm really excited about is, is to see full Wi-Fi 6 networks and with a lot of Wi-Fi 6 devices on it and see what happens. 
Yeah, that will be interesting. Um, and maybe those, maybe you get time to throw out the record book on, on uh, download stats and things like that. Um, I'll just say real quick, the, the Apple thing, what, what that signaled to me was both stability in Wi-Fi 6, but also um, it clearly is not zapping the battery as quickly as other technologies. Because if it were, you know, Apple, Apple's pretty keen on, on managing expectations because they've been burned so badly with, uh, you know, iPhones that can't, can't stay charged as long as their competitors and stuff like that. Correct. And that, that is actually part of the new Wi-Fi 6 um, standard. There is actually a thing in there that it, it's called, I can't remember, something to do with wait time. It, it basically, instead of you having to ping all the time, it, it lets you know the radio just be on when it's making connections, and it reduces it, it reduces the power consumption and the, and the power needs from the device by a huge factor. So yeah, I, I agree that you know that was probably something Apple saw and said, yeah, we're we're behind this. Yeah, no kidding. It's pretty. It was it was a pretty uh, I think pivotal moment for for Wi-Fi six in general, and uh, interesting to see it uh, catching on in in. Uh, arenas and stadiums. Um, I'm hoping it'll also catch on quickly in enterprises and in home use as well. I, I noticed that Netgear finally put out a um, um, a Wi-Fi six mesh router uh, uh, kit for homes that's like in the you know for, for for reasonably sized homes that was like under two hundred bucks. So. Um, the connectivity piece, you know, it might not be the most fully featured router yet, but it's it's a sign that they're trying to drive the price down very quickly for Wi-Fi 6, and that's a good sign uh, as well. Um, well, hey, man, I, it is, uh, I could, as usual, I could talk to you all day about all kinds of this uh, stuff like this, but thanks so much for uh, for making the time and for, uh, uh, for being our guest here on the Light Reading Podcast. And uh, for those of, uh, folks uh, hearing this, uh, when you're done reading light reading for the day, please do go give uh, Paul a look over at mobilesportsreport.com. He's got plenty of things to uh, to tell you about all the popular places that you go and all the things you're connecting to and didn't even know about. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Phil. That is it. That's our show. Thanks so much to Paul Kapuska for his time and insights. Thanks to our production crew, TN, for making us sound so damn good. Thanks to you, dear listener, because if you weren't paying attention, we would not be able to get away with doing all of this at work. And everyone, please tell a friend to subscribe, and we will see you the next time we do the Light Reading Podcast.